Welcome to TechFets, the podcast, a show dedicated to exploring the world of tech and cybersecurity through the eyes of industry leaders and ex-forces personnel. In this show, we're discussing how programs designed to create tech opportunities for marginalised communities and underrepresented groups, including forces personnel, are the way forward for big business, corporate social responsibility, or CSR initiatives. Joining us for this podcast is Steve Nolan, Head of Veteran Liaison at Fortinet and TechVets, James Murphy. Hi, Steve. Hi, James. Hi, Harry. Hi, Charlie. Good. Very well. Thank you. Um, well, let's start with um, what is corporate social responsibility. And I think from, from my point of view, it's, it's, a, a, it's a large and expensively produced brochure that landed on your doormat about 15 years ago. Well, what's happened since then? Steve, can I start with you? How would you define it? Uh, corporate social responsibility, uh, as you said, it, it's been, the term has been around for, uh, for over 50 years. But right now we're seeing um, a, a change, I guess a sea change in the way corporations are engaging. In the past, they could sell their product uh, or their service. And, and that was really the end of the relationship. Uh, people are demanding a lot more now. And so businesses have been scrambling for a bit. And those that are successful are really aligning their business model with how they engage with the community, how they conduct their corporate social responsibility. So has there been a kind of awakening? Because I mean, I remember people saying, you know, yes, we shall be more responsible when they brought out these brochures. And that was a long time ago. But have they, have they converted? Do they understand what the point of these things are now? I, well, I think it's, a, I think it's an evolution. And um, I, I love your analogy of the brochure because that's really where it started in holding businesses more accountable because people would be like, we would, would speak to the, the corporations that they engaged with and would say, we want you to have a more diverse number of employees, right? We would like you to hire from visible minorities. We would like you to hire um, people with disabilities. We'd like you to hire more women. And so the company would put out a brochure, like a nice team photo, and they would have all the right people there, but people would still walk into that store and they wouldn't see that brochure. So they started demanding a more authentic way of engaging. And so you have that, that brochure, then you have policies in place to do diversity and inclusion. And now a lot of businesses are going a step further, entering into corporate social responsibility, making their supply chain more diverse, buying off businesses that are owned by veterans or disabled people. But like I said, when it comes to corporate social responsibility, one of the keys is aligning the goals of the company. And at Fortinet, filling the cybersecurity skills gap is a stated mission. It is good for business. So we have a very robust training academy that trains people in our equipment, but it can't keep up with demand. And we are continually searching for new avenues, more people to get in here. And originally it started with um, veterans and veterans are a great fit for cybersecurity, security minded, team oriented, like to get the job done before finishing the day kind of thing, not necessarily saying, okay, it's uh, 5 p.m., time to go kind of thing. Um, and so Fortinet has engaged heavily in developing training models, free training models for military members. We're also reaching out into other communities. 
Uh, here in Canada, for example, uh, Fortinet is sponsoring a Girls Learn Code. So we've partnered with a not-for-profit that is going to do an entire week helping uh, young women in disadvantaged neighborhoods, et cetera, to enter tech. And the key to success for all of that is, is something, it's really twofold in sort of the technical poverty, right? Where some people just don't have access to the internet in the same way. Some people just don't have enough laptops in their family for all of the kids to be doing online school all at the same time kind of thing. So that's a, that's a real tangible thing that we can fight. We can get more laptops, we can do that. But the real difficulty is taking those kids from those groups or, or, or veterans or anybody else that we want to get into tech and make them believe that they can do it. Help them see themselves in that role. So when they see the brochure that lands on the doorstep, and there's a picture uh, that, of somebody who looks like them working at that tech company, they don't just go, you know, that's inauthentic. They go, huh, that's an option for me. Maybe I can see myself entering into that. And when you can nudge that culture, that's when you're going to see real change. I want to come back to how Fort Vets has kind of expanded beyond just vets. But James, can I, can I just put this point about authenticity to you? Because I guess tech vets is a sort of two-way street for CSR. I mean, you probably have your own CSR approach, but you have to adapt to many others, don't you? Uh, yeah, but I think the most important thing about all of this, and Steve made the point quite clearly, um, is that it has to be beneficial for businesses. Uh, otherwise, it's not going to be, it's not going to have the impact that it needs. So um, I work with organizations where I can show them how they can deliver a CSR program or, or something along those lines, but have real tangible impact on their business, where actually it makes sense to them financially to invest more heavily uh, and provide better resources, more time and, and support for, for veterans who are looking to get into tech and cyber careers. And that's working. Um, because if it's something that doesn't have a tangible benefit that the business can see, that it can grasp, then it, it makes it a little bit more difficult to sell it. It makes it also more difficult to sell it to the people that you're trying to support as well. And that's that's really important. So the veterans that are coming, uh, the, the people leaving the military becoming veterans, the last thing that they want to do is seem like a charity case. But what they what they want to do is be able to access stuff in a meaningful way that is really highlighting their valuable skills, but at the same time, giving them, arming them, if you will, with those additional technical skills to land those great roles. I just called the people are leaving the military an underrepresented group. Do you think that would make people feel like they're a charity case? Um, no, I think um, if every time you look at a minority group or an underrepresented group, you it's always a generalised term. N not every woman is unemployed or, or you know, paid less than, than, than the man next to them, for example. You know, not, not every child comes from an impoverished background. But there are groups of people where actually there are, there are percentages within them that just don't have as many opportunities uh, as, as other people around them. And I suppose for, for the military, where that really falls is within the difference between their military careers and their experience going through that career as opposed to those that may, let's say, for example, leave university. The moment you leave university, you're competing for roles. You have a CV that you're refining every time. You're building experience based in roles that are industry standard, recognized language, 
in the military, it's different language, different terminology, different types of roles. Um, you know, you, you don't need a CV every time you, you're moving up the ranks necessarily. Uh, so it's, it's totally different. And again, when you then look at access, and Steve spoke of, of access to, to Wi-Fi technical uh, equipment, the, the issue of hardware and access to the internet is not an issue for, for service people. But where it does become an issue is their, is their access to meaningful IT. They may, they may have access to the internet. They may have games consoles. You know, uh, they may even have a laptop in their room. But in their day-to-day work, they're not using IT, not all of them. If you have someone like an intelligence professional, yes, they're going to be on, an, on a computer most days. My, my initial start point was in the infantry, where actually as a private soldier, I used a, a computer once a month to do some personal admin, um, you know, some HR type admin. Other than that, I never used one. So therefore, we're not developing people with the right digital skills. So when they leave, they're already quite a way behind in a current market, which is demanding more digital, more technical skills. Uh, Steve, I think just to bring those those things together, we've got uh, this idea of the importance of uh, veterans coming out of the military and you know feeling like this is a positive career path. What worries me, I suppose, about CSR is there is a slight sense of uh, the victim about it. And uh, I, I think James has shown how he knocks that on the head. How does Fortinet make people feel good about the next step in their careers and, and not make them feel like they are, you know, this is, a, you know, they're almost charity cases. Uh, that's, a, that's a really interesting question. And um, it, comes, it comes right back to uh, all of the diversity and inclusion initiatives. It's, it's been very interesting for me, um, certainly here in Canada and learning about the UK and the United States about how each country treats their veterans slightly different. In the United States, veterans are a diversity and inclusion group, and not so here in Canada. But I've learned through some of the diversity inclusion work that I've done that the real way to determine one of these groups that may need extra focus, not help, is that if that group can't see itself as part of another group, Cybersecurity wants to hire a lot of people, wants to hire vets, wants to hire women, but those groups don't see themselves as part of it. So you have this mutual interest. People want jobs, people, companies want to hire them, but you have this unseen gap between them. And it's really a cultural issue. So at Fortinet, what we do is uh, we do a sort of eighth, a focus in three key areas. First, is redeveloping a professional network. When people come out of the service, after I came out after 28 years, when I was in, I could pick up the phone or email somebody and I could solve 99% of the problems that came to me. The next day, my professional network needed to be started over again in new fields. So we start them with that. We help them build a new community. The second part is, is that we help them sell themselves. We help them mentally change their own culture of talking about we. In the military, if you try to take credit, that is the worst thing that you can do, right? It's all about the team and it's all about pushing the accolades off onto those that work for you. If you do that in a job interview, it doesn't work, right? It just doesn't work for you. So we try to get them from that we to me and to write in ways that their resume, that their CV comes across. Talk about 
finances, how big of a budget, what projects, what deliverable. And I tell, you know, like I'm telling corporals, they're like, oh, uh, I'm not a manager. And I'm like, did you have anybody work in your section? And the corporal will say, yeah, I was in charge of five guys. I'd be like, you're a manager. And you need to kind of mentally take that on board. And then the final bit is training. So we offer um, free training for our entire suite of courses. uh, And it's an eight level program. And not only do we offer free training, we have online communities that support it. We have mentors that already work for Fortinet that are willing to reach out and work with veterans one-on-one. And we offer free um, certification vouchers for their exams. So it's this whole suite of the professional network, helping them uh, change their culture and the free training. Plus we engage with our own partners and all of the organizations that use Fortinet equipment and services. And we offer them up uh, the uh, resumes of the Fortivets and the military spouses that are in the program. At no cost, we're we're not trying to charge anybody for this, but we wanna see our partners do well. We wanna see our partners and ourselves fill those vacancies. And if it can be filled with veterans who are ready and loyal to work, then, then all the better for everyone. Yeah, that's the benefit as well, Steve, is that um, you know, it is beneficial for Fortinet, but there are no catches, there are no hooks. And, and what Fortinet are doing, which is something that I'm you know, quite proud of at TechVets, one of our principles is empowering veterans. It's not looking at them like they're vulnerable because they're not. They, they may not have the necessary skills to walk into a tech or cyber role, um, straight off the bat, because they need to get these technical skills, um, you know, at least the fundamentals, and some of them don't have them. But they have all the professional skills that they need. And these need to be highlighted and, and, and really emboldened, but they need to understand what those professional skills are and how to capitalise on them properly. At the other side of this, this coin, the issue isn't necessarily that they don't have the, the skills to make that career jump. As Steve said, they don't know what they don't know. They don't know that they're right for these roles. And therefore, what we are seeing, you know, I, I was looking at some stats from earlier from the from the MOD surveys. Um, and, you know, it's quite staggering that, that in 2019, we, we started seeing a slight increase. But, it, but back in 2017, when the latest real comprehensive stats came out, we were still looking at 18 percent of veterans uh, more likely um, of taking up roles in processing plant, you know, machine work. Um, which is, these are the roles that are that are going to be totally impacted by um, automation within the next five or ten years, if not are already being redefined um, through robotics and machine learning. So it's just about empowering them to make these decisions now and take on a career that's got a lot more sustainability rather than going down this route, which is going to lead them to underemployment uh, in the next two or three years. One one of the things Steve said, which which I'm particularly interested in, is is people's attitude to the next stage in their career and and I think I'm right Steve you said that the military personnel who move on into the private sector have a sense of humility I mean I think we might call it uh, you know they're not blowhards they they don't they don't boast about stuff that has a sort of sense of social responsibility itself is that did I read that right did you is that what you said exactly the culture and the type of person I don't know too many people who joined the military for the money right? It's, it's not, it's not the top paying jobs. Um, It's for a different reason. It's for a higher purpose. It's for teamwork. It's for all of that camaraderie. It is for all of those things. And one of the things that veterans have a lot of difficulty with is when they're moving on, they take 
uh, the question of their next job and they make it very large. They turn it into a large problem of how do I solve the next career with one label? I was a sailor. I was a soldier. Now I need to be a security guard. Uh, all of these things. And they tend to aim low because they make the problem so large instead of go out there. You don't have to stay at that company for the next 30 years. You can move on. You can grow. You can make mistakes. You can get training in one area, decide you don't like it and move on. And these are things, these are real cultural changes that, uh, that they sort of need to go through before that they can kind of make a very successful transition. But there is another issue there as well, Steve, sorry. And that is, well, within the British military, um, talking through my experience, is you, you have this, I mean, I alluded to it earlier, that you know, you're not really tracking your career like someone would be outside. You're not keeping that CV. You're not competing for, for, for jobs. You're not developing based on the skills. It's more of a rank progression based on the, what we would call the soft skills. Therefore, when you come to leave, you're already a little bit behind the curve. But add to that the problem where service people are signing what we call signing off. They're quitting their job, in essence, handing in their notice. They have a year to serve that notice. They start accessing courses and, and money for courses and stuff within the last three months. But actually, in essence, it's like quitting your job without finding a new one first. And in a year's time, they've then got to land a job in a specific time period if not, they're unemployed. And what I've seen from my experience at, at TechVets as well, working with um, the community so much, is that there's many people that won't take that leap of faith and jump on a three-month program to get them into, I don't know, let's say AWS, uh, Restart Program, for example, because that three months is precious. And if they do that and it's not for them, then they've wasted that time in which they could have just nailed something that they know, i.e. the security guard stuff or the project management or the driver um, driving stuff, you know, and uh, but on the on the flip side, you know, the other day we had a guy who literally posted saying, handed in my truck keys uh, today, starting my second week as a cyber consultant. So it can happen. It it, it can. Be, it's just trying to create that nice pathway, that bridge, which is what we use to help people understand they can do it. And I think one thing that I like about the Fortinet program is it's very aligned with tech vets. Hence why the the relationship was always so strong. Yeah, I find it very interesting too that the women and the men that are coming out of uh, the armed forces are, under, are one, they're underselling themselves. They have low expectations. They're incredibly grateful. I remember when I got my first job after 28 years in, I was like, thank you so much. Can I come over and wash your car? You know, like what, like what can I do to kind of even this out, right? Because you've taken this big thing off my back. But you were left on the other side. Yeah, right? There's... Um, uh, but there's uh, these pre there, there are predatory, and I'd say predatory, and maybe that's not the right word, uh, organizations out there that are quick to, to jump in front yeah. of uh, somebody leaving the force and say, hey, you don't have a lot of options. You should sign with us or you're not going to be able to pay your mortgage and stuff like that. And they start off with, if you've been in for a while, they're like, okay, uh, you were a warrant officer or you were a sergeant. So your, part, so your pension is this level. We'll pay you this much now, so that'll get you just above where you were before, which it really bothers me because they're actually discounting the military uh, training and leadership and experience instead of paying a premium for it. Just on the subject, James brought up about, I suppose you call it tech poverty, but does, is Fortinet able to reach 
into somebody's career in the services and say, you need to start your courses now if you're going to join us in a, a year or two's time? Do, do, do you do that kind of thing? So, so it's really interesting um, how the forces do IT training. So a lot of the Five Eyes community use Fortinet um, equipment and services. So there is training available to some of the, uh, the women and men that are in the IT, that are in the cybersecurity teams and that sort of thing. But they don't often get the certification. They get the training so that they can do the job and they're a corporal in the IT section and that's great. But when they go to leave, they say, I've been using Fortinet equipment for five years and on their resume, it doesn't say that they're certified. And then the algorithm completely moves them aside and they don't even get an interview. So what we try to do is as people are indicating that they're leaving, right? Because it's the other thing. We in no way, shape or form, I'm a veteran, uh, Jay Garcia, who runs the program in the United States, he's a veteran. Our number one rule is we will not poach um, military members. We will not go in and say, you can make more money on the outside. I only want to talk to people yeah, who are exactly the same. leaving program. James, yeah, just t- tell me about poaching because I suppose it's a charge which you know you, you must be very aware of. Um, do, you, do you have that similar policy? Yeah, 100%. Um, it's definitely something that I don't want to do. If, if anything, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at ways in which I can aid the MOD in retention. Um, because, you know, Steve, Steve mentioned that it's not about the money, but actually what we're looking at now is in quite uncertain times. Yes, there's been an increased confidence in employers, you know, build, create, rebuilding their strategies for recruitment. We're not looking at that much job creation, though. It's more job protection. So the opportunities are there. We're putting plenty into jobs, some good salaries, averaging roughly around £45,000 um, for a tech vets member landing a role, which is good. But then when you take off the cost of living in comparison to the military, it's actually, it's not that much better. You're not getting out for star, absolute stardom and, and mega bucks. Um, so we don't want to attract people out for the wrong reasons. If people get to the point where actually the little things in the military that didn't used to bug them are now starting to, then yes, it may be time for a change. And we can help people make those decisions, but in the right way. And again, we can allow them access to the Fortinet um, training through tech vets, but the idea there is to build their skills. And you know, one of the reasons why we like to work with companies like Fortinet is because of the wide reach of the technology, including um, throughout the public sector. Uh, and again, same with Splunk and, and others. And we work with these for a reason, because we want people to build the skills and use them where they are. And for Fortinet, there's people that may be able to use those in their military career um, uh, whilst they're still serving. That's really, really important, because if we pull them out of the military, we are doing a disservice to, to the to the to the organization which is actually um, not something we want to do actually could you just take this opportunity james just to explain the relationship between tech vets and fortinet and how if i were say uh, a services personnel who's about to leave um how that benefits me uh, yeah absolutely um well first and foremost i, I think one thing that, that i was really drawn to um when i first had uh, my first conversation with, with jay garcia and stephen talent who's recently recently left um we had a wonderful chat and it was everything was aligned you know everything that the the you know 40 vets program wanted to deliver was exactly the same principles pretty much almost word for word for what tech vets wants to deliver in the way that we want to do it um and i think that was very clear from the start 
then it was then it was really easy. It, it was it was the semantics. Then it was just about putting the technical pieces together, which we did quite quickly. So you know, people that join straight away, they can jump into our academy, go to the go to the Fortinet page and access the training. And it's as simple as then you know clicking a button uh, and off they go. And then they're straight into thankfully um, Fortinet do all the all the heavy lifting there, um, and they go straight into Fortinet system to apply. They Fortinet at the other end, you know. They have, a, they have an interview with them, they put them in the right direction at the right start point and off they go and they, they start their training. And I think what's really important about it is that they are learning valuable skills, valuable technical skills, but not just because they're building their technical skills, but they're building technical skills as well around a technology which is used globally. So it's going to increase their opportunity of employment. And even if they are going for a, 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 a relatively standard job and they're neck and neck with someone else, if they've got experience using Fortigate, uh, Fortinet's um, products such as Fortigate, then they're going to be a bit more of a value for that team if that's a, within their tech stack. So, so again, it gives them that little boost as well. Plus, and for me, um, it is also a fantastic partnership because it's such a huge and well-respected brand. Good. Okay, I think one of the things we're building a picture here about forces personnel who are about to leave, who are about to go on to the next stage of their careers, is they're not victims they're not i mean they they may be underrepresented but uh you know that they they come with a sig- significant advantages um steve i just want to pick up something you mentioned earlier on about how you are working with uh women in deprived areas within a you know a version of the fortivet program how did what you learn from fortivets help you with that with that new program it really shows uh the culture at fortinet how, as, as James mentioned, Stephen Talent started a, a, a veterans training program and its success has actually allowed us to, to template how we engage with other communities. Um, and one of those right now is um, we're using and partnering with a not-for-profit to deliver a Girls in STEM and Tech Week where not only are there coding and augmented reality and other workshops like that available um, to to girls across Canada, but we're also reaching out internally to ensure that all of our employees, one, know that we're doing this because that helps the employees become more loyal to that company. We're telling our employees that if they want to get their daughters, their nieces, their neighbors, kids registered for this, that this is a great opportunity for them to explore these areas and it's free. And the, and the final bit is, is that because the, the culture at Fortinet is so good and these programs um, really stick, we're offering up volunteer spots so that we can have Fortinet employees, perhaps some of our sales engineers, some of our techs, they can do some training and be volunteers during this girls coding week so that they can help the presenters and be just on site and answer some of the technical questions. And that way, what we've got is these girls, uh, these young women um, engaging in something new, being reinforced for something new and seeing people on the Zoom call that actually do it at certain companies, maybe seeing people that they know, maybe it's their neighbors, maybe it's their, their aunt or, or things like that. And that whole package, right, is a cultural one. And okay. it, it wouldn't stick if we didn't have that culture at Fortinet, and it wouldn't stick if we didn't see a, 
a good aim, a good um, a good outcome in training more people in tech. What does what do girls in STEM have in common with forces personnel who want to move on and get jobs? Uh, I, I would say the key thing is that uh, both groups may not see themselves as having a tech career. All right. I will talk to veterans and I'll talk to, to young people as well. And I'll say, you should really do cybersecurity training. And they'll go, mm, I don't think so. And I'm like, you know, you don't just sit in your basement and drink Red Bulls and wear a black hoodie. They're, these are actual real good jobs and they're expanding. And the pandemic has shown a much greater need because people are going to work from home much more now. And that's a bigger, much bigger network that needs to be secured. The problems are becoming ever more complicated as well for people to solve in these teams in every organisation. And, and the issue that we've had for such a long time is a lack of diversity, a lack of diverse thought, you know, which you get from different experiences. And I think that if you, it, it can be boiled down to very simplistically, if I have a soldier in the army who's a male and a soldier in the army who's a female and they have the exact same experience all the way through, their perceptions of that experience and the takeaways and the learned experience that they will have will be will be wildly different because one's a male, one's a female, you know, and, and within that as well, they've come from a different background, different families, different areas, you know, they may have had different schooling. So this is something that needs to be really brought out as well. So it's whilst it's really important that that we now tap into this group of people that can access um, this stuff, it's also, again, increasingly beneficial for these teams to have more diverse um, candidates in, you know, to, to pick from. Are we talking about a, a kind of lack of empowerment here or a lack of confidence as, as you know, we're, I, I, I've been keeping this very much about CSR, but it, are those the two sides of CSR that we, you know, we, we need to improve if we're going to get people flowing through into tech jobs more easily? I, it, it's, I think it's the problem that we have at the moment is that we're expecting too much too fast. Uh, there are a lot of programs that are in train, uh, but we're never going to see the results of those programs within you know weeks or months. That's going to be 10 years. Um, so we have to be patient. I think where, where veterans come in um, is that actually they're already professionals with a load of skills that are very transferable. Um, and, and, and this is really important. So now it's just about giving them a little bit of um, technical upskilling rather than building them as professionals in a long program over, over sort of two years or whatever um, and working their way in that way. So they can be a bit of a quick hit. It is. It is definitely about making sure you empower them, though. You, you, have to, you have to give people the right advice, the right information. If you go to a group of people that aren't used to working in tech uh, or don't commonly um, follow careers in, in technology and you start talking lots of technical jargon, it doesn't really work, which is why the NCSC... With their, with their cyber first programs have, been, have done such a good job because what they're doing is taking it right down to the basics, gamifying it, uh, and, then, and then actually really trying to appeal to, to younger people um, as, you know, from all backgrounds, uh, which, which works. You know, it does work. It, it really gives them that understanding that it could be for them. Steve, how would you improve the, the attitude of veterans that you come across, if, 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 if that's the right word, attitude? As, as when I engage... Uh, and when I meet up with veterans and, and, and I talk to them, I, I do try to get them to see themselves in a different light. I get them to see the opportunity that they have. There aren't a lot of organizations out there that will pay you while you're training for your next job, 
right? Like that's a fantastic opportunity. It's a fantastic opportunity in the UK. It's a fantastic opportunity uh, here in Canada and in the US. And you can take advantage of that. And I try to tell them that they don't have to have uh, the perfect answer, that they can explore things, um, that they can, they can always recover um, and, and they can take um, side roads, right? Like when, when I talk to them about IT, it's a, it's a 12 lane highway, right? And it, it leads in one direction, but that's not going to be, they're not all going to follow in that. They're going to have an off ramp, maybe into cybersecurity, maybe into networks, maybe into cloud, those sort of things that there's opportunity. And so when I talk to them, I say, just choose a big enough ladder or a big enough laneway that has lots of off ramps and lots of options. And if tech isn't for you, that's great. And, and I'm agnostic yeah. entirely about even the, the, the veterans that have gone through all the training about where they get a job. I want them to have some free training. I want them to improve their confidence and I want them to get a job. And if they get a job at the competitor, great. They're employed. They know how, how Fortinet works. Uh, 99 times out of 100, they have a favorable idea. Um, a favorable impression of Fortinet and the veterans gotten hired and they are at the start of their career and they will remember how Fortinet treated them. James, just, just could you pick that up because this sort of sense of why is this any good for Fortinet and Steve's just answered that. So in terms of your kind of client companies, why is it good? Why would it be good for them to do what Fortinet does? I'll take, I'll take Steve's analogy of the motorway. One of the biggest issues that I see with veterans leaving is that they look at that motorway, there's way too many lanes, they've never driven on a 12-lane motorway before, and at the same time, all the signs are in, are in Greek and, and, and none of them speak it. So how do, we, how do we enable them to get to the point where they understand what the signs say so they can make the right choice for themselves? The issue that we have at the moment, we have talent that are, we're hemorrhaging talent out of the military into underemployment. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a real, real big issue. And I would argue for me that's often worse than the unemployment um, because this is something that could be so easily helped. Other companies can simply do this uh, and, and it's beneficial for them. Now, we've seen it happen with Fortinet. We have seen it happen with others as well, where you run a program. It doesn't need to be for 20, 30, 40 people. It may just be for three or four a year. What that does, it helps you develop that talent over a period of time. You can do the interviews to make sure they're the right candidate up front. And, and that makes sense. You want the right attitude, the right character traits. You want someone that's going to fit with your culture. But by the end of that program, you've got someone that's not just trained up um, adequately with technical skills. They understand your business, the HR processes, the, the way the teams work, um, you know, the, the, the layout of the office, um, all the way through to the tech stack that the companies are using. So first and foremost, you're developing your own talent that's far better than using a recruitment process as long as it's managed with a balance. Um, you're not chasing the unicorns that clearly don't exist and people are starting to realise that. The talent that it has five or five to ten years technical experience generally are in roles. It's expensive to pull them out of them because there are more people um, at the moment that are looking to stay where they are for the risks uh, of, the, of the employment market. So you need to generate that talent and at the same time you're doing something that's beneficial and if you're in the UK post-Brexit one thing that we need to do more than anything is make sure we are developing homegrown talent with digital skills and, if possible, even technical skills to attract companies to come to the, to the UK um, where they know they're going to be able to access a good talent pool 
and give everyone in the UK the same sort of opportunities at sustainable employment, which is becoming ever more technical. And we had a wonderful chat on the last podcast, um, you know, talking about digital poverty and tech education. It's not an easy thing to crack, but if everyone starts working towards it, offering programmes like Fortinet, it's going to become a lot easier. Steve, are you finding that you agree with much of what James says uh, in your situation over the Atlantic? I mean, is, is, is it a similar situation where you are? I would completely agree. There are many initiatives about um, augmenting training and education programs to help lead people into a more technical field. Uh, We have just the same as uh, worldwide uh, unemployment in the IT sector is is at an all-time high. There's hundreds of thousands of positions going unfilled. And organizations are starting to see um, the labor market in a different light. Uh, They're starting to see the need to do candidate creation instead of a, which is a more active way of solving HR issues than it is, than is the passive way where you wait for a bunch of people to apply and, and hope that one of them has all of the requisite um, training and qualifications. So reaching out and offering more training of creating uh, pathways, of creating a greater pool of people within that region Uh, whether it's North America or whether it's the UK or whether it's locally around certain companies, creating that pool of IT professionals, which is so much better for the company, so much better for um, developing new products, for research, for all of those sorts of things. And And the other side is that Fortinet engages with numerous colleges and universities around the world to help fold our training into a bachelor of computer science programs and and diploma IT networking programs so that there are more people um, understanding the technology out there. Feels to me like the conclusion we're coming to over uh, this over the whole of this CSR debate is is almost the opposite of the the Gordon Gecko in Wall Street saying greed is good it's altruism is good altruism works is that right you're nodding when when the labor market is tilted in the way that it is right now, people are asking more of the companies that they work for. Nobody wants to work for the bad guy anymore or very low percentage of people. I mean, there's still the, the, the jobs go filled in, in Wall Street all the time. So people are willing, um, but uh, most people wanna, wanna believe in something, wanna be part of something, wanna be part of a company that does good. And yeah. when the company does those things and it involves its employees, it improves workplace culture, which is which every study shows is greater for productivity. I, I slightly disagree. I, I I don't disagree with Steve's points. I agree with those. Um, I just disagree that it's um, the altruism is is the way forward uh, and the way it works. Um, I think it it works best where there's a greater deal of mutual benefit. Um, we are humans and we're more likely by nature to invest in something more heavily if we can see there is going to be some form of return. Now, the way in which I think it works best at the moment is with organisations like Fortinet who do it with the right reasons, the right intention and in the right way. If you do it in, with, with strong principles at the base of, of what you're delivering, then you will deliver something that is really, really good and it's good for everyone. Um, I think if you try to approach it where you just give stuff away, Actually, if you're giving stuff away, 
often the perception will also can also backfire because if you're giving it away for free, is it valuable enough for me to do it? Uh, is it valuable enough for me to go and take these courses if actually it's no value to the organisation? Well, there were some insights there about how people from each side of the Atlantic approach this question. And I still think there is a sense that altruism works. Altruism is good. No doubt the advice from both of our guests will resonate with our listeners. Steve, James, thank you for joining us. And for our listeners, you can find out more about TechVets and how to become a member by visiting techvets.co or searching for TechVets on LinkedIn. If you are a business owner or work for a company in the tech industry and want to find out how to get more veterans into your team, drop James Murphy a message via LinkedIn. You'll find all the contacts you need in the description for this post. We'll be back next month with our next TechVets podcast. Thanks for joining us.